a few times to desensitise myself. Um, so, um, but I'll let you just have a little watch of this and, uh, and I'll bring you the message. Thank you.
once that old violin and uh and you may be sitting here this morning uh recognizing that uh perhaps you were once that old violin as well uh, and no longer are but i'm bringing this message this morning um because i believe that for all of us there can there are there can be aspects of our life that are still out of tune that still need the touch of the master's hand and uh, so that's the reason i'm bringing this this morning You know, at some time in our life, whether it's now, whether it's previously, you know, we've, uh, we've felt abandoned, just like the violin, abandoned by people, abandoned by life. We've felt tired, dusty, you know, um, our life out of tune, unappreciated, undervalued by the people around us, uh, perhaps even battered and torn by sin. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you know that, that there is at least one part of your life. Uh, that is out of tune, and uh, it's not the way it should be, and it needs the frust- fresh touch of the sovereign, uh, the, the sovereign touch of the master's hand, and perhaps that's you know in an, in an aspect of your marriage, um, you know with your children, in relationship with your children, with uh, your finances, with your health, with your career, um, you know it, it's, it's so easy to become discouraged and, and disappointed and. You know, you may have even come to a place in that particular part of your life of, of just giving up and putting, putting that thing aside and it's too hard and it's too painful to deal with and, and the dust, dust has just gathered and perhaps you've lost hope altogether. 
Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now you simply can't get away with having unresolved issues uh, in your life. They don't go away. Uh, they, they fester and, uh, and the effects of unresolved issues, unresolved sin, is that it comes out somewhere. And sometimes, it'll, it, you know, often it will come out in, in sickness and disease. Uh, it'll come out, as, just as Paul was sharing this morning, you know, in some kind of addictive behaviour, something that you try to medicate, you know, that, and, and cover that, that area of your life. And there are a few things that I want to say about this this morning and to speak into this whole area of, of disappointment, discouragement and hopelessness. But this is not a negative message by any means. It's actually the opposite. In fact, I believe that God is actually wanting to encourage us and to restore hope, um, restore our hope, but also to help us look at our lives and, and dust off some of the layers, you know, the layers of unbelief, of, of tiredness, maybe of disheartenment. You know, this church, which is really really just over six months old, um, a little bit more than six months old. It represents a fresh start. It represents a new beginning. And the fact that you are here this morning means that God wants you to be part of something new and something fresh. Proverbs 3.12 starts by saying, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But then it says, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And today is about stirring our hearts Stirring our desire for the tree of life. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There's always a fresh start and a new beginning in God. In fact, his word says that his mercy is new every morning. But the desire for the new has to come from our own heart. The risk of opening our heart again to be used, you know, just to become uh, something that's used by God as a, as a sweet, you know, to make a sweet melody, um, it, it's a, it, it takes a risk. It's, it's a risk uh, to be counted. Um, and, and there's a cost to be counted in that. But we also have to consider what is the cost if we don't, if we don't allow God to do that work in our heart. What then is the cost to our lives? Jeremiah 29.11 is my all-time favourite scripture. Um, I just won't read it at the moment, but it does talk about, um, you know, God has a plan for us and it's a plan for good and not for evil. And um, he has this uh, uh, amazing plan for our lives. And uh, my life was totally transformed when I actually had a revelation of, of what that meant. Well, later on in, in Jeremiah, in that same book, um, God reveals a, a vision um, to Jeremiah. And it says in um, Jeremiah 18, verse 1, it says, the word, came, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, hello, arise, arise um, and go down, it says, Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do 
with you as with as this potter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now this morning, he's not just talking to Israel, he's talking to us. Just a small group gathered, his church in Ganelbar here, he's speaking to us. By his hand we were created and formed. But because of sin, because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, because of our own choices and the choices of others, we have become, or we have become broken and, uh, and damaged. But when we choose to place our lives again back in his hands, he is able to remould us and to restore us to what we were always meant to be. And the thing that I love about it is that it's what seems good to him to make. He has the perfect design and the perfect plan for your life. Our job is not to fight against his hands. Our job is to be willing to be moulded and changed and healed and restored to be made into what he desires us to be. It's just like that old violin. God wants to take us out of that case, dust us off and restore to us and in us our original glory as sons and daughters of God. It's his glory because he made us. Um, it's, it's his, we are his creation, not our own. And sometimes I think we need to get our head around that. You know, this life is not about what I think it should be or who I want to be. It's about what does God want me to be? What has he created me to be? It's about new beginnings, a fresh start. Your life was always meant to be, you know, a, a sweet, pure melody played for God. God wants us to have an, an expectancy and a faith for new things. He says, I don't want you to remember the former things or, or consider the things of old. In other words, I don't want you to keep going over and over and replaying that, that record in your head. I want you to desire the new things that I have for your life. But when you are in that place of, of discouragement, it can take more than just making a choice to do that. And so I've just got five steps uh, here, five points that I want to bring to you um, in relation to this, into stepping out of the old and into the new. And these steps apply to us all because we all have some area that needs newness of life to come into it. And for those of you that I know really well, if you're having trouble working out what that is, just have a talk to me. I'll help you to find what it is. I don't want you to sit there thinking, well, this is a nice message for the one next to me. Um, this is for all of us, myself included. And I'm speaking to you this morning as men and women who want to know the truth, um, even if it's difficult to hear, uh, even if, if you need to humble yourselves a bit, um, because it's only the truth that will set us free. So firstly, we have to stop making excuses and take accountability for our life. You know, accountability is a powerful first step in dealing with, you know, our own real issues. We can blame other people. You know, we can, we can blame circumstances. We can blame the world. We can even blame God, you know. Um, and, but nothing is going to change or shift until we stop be, being per, perpetual victims in life. And, and we take accountability for our own choices. And also for not only f for our choices, but for the way that we respond to the, the things that come against us in life. Life is unfair. The world we live in is broken. 
gosh, you've only got to just turn the TV on or walk out the front door, really, to see and, and understand that. And we as mankind have broken it. We have a shared responsibility for the way this world is. And it has affected our relationships, our health. It's affected everything. You know, people will let you down. They will hurt you. Life will throw you some really difficult and painful experiences. And I'm not talking just from theory here. I'm talking from experience. And I'm sure each one of you can relate. But being a spirit-filled Christian gives you a powerful and effective... It gives you powerful tools to be able to deal uh, and, and to travel on, along this journey, such as uh, recognising that we, we're, we live in a... You know, there's a whole spiritual realm that we're part of um, and that we can influence. We have spiritual gifts. We're, we have the ability in the, you know, to, to be able to pray... Uh, and intercede and hear what God's saying and, and declare that thi- those things. Vanessa and I um, just last week, no, a couple of weeks ago now, went up to um, the Gold Coast and saw that uh, movie War Room. And I know some of you have, have also seen it. And, uh, you know, I, I must admit I was a bit sceptical, thinking Christian movie, it's going to be a bit corny, you know, um, I'll just go and see how it is. It, it, was, it was a powerful film. There were cor- corny bits in it for sure. But it was a powerful um, story uh, about the power of prayer. And um, I've just heard that uh, the Lismore Ministers Association are trying to get it to, um, to Lismore. And so just keep an eye out for that. Um, if you haven't seen it already, if you want to see it again, uh, it, it may end up in Lismore. So accountability is not just about stepping out um, of the victim role, but being responsible for how, do you, how you respond to the things that come against you in life. You know, the, the Bible, the word even says, you know, um, offences must come. It's not like they might come. You might have a bad day. Offences must come. They will come in your life. But it's how we deal with it and how we take accountability for our responses that's really important. Romans, um, Romans 14, 12 says, So then, each one of us, each one of us as individuals, shall give account of himself to God. Now, you won't be held accountable for others. You will be held accountable for yourself. And tied up in accountability is our choice, um, so yes, is our choice to, to repent and to forgive. Um, accountability is, is like a, a three-legged stool with repentance, forgiveness and accountability as those three legs. And if one of them's missing, the whole thing falls over. Um, and we really need to, um, to be aware of that. And, and especially as we're responding to people and we're in relationships. And, um, you know, because we're not, you're not going to be held accountable for your pastor. You're not going to be held accountable for your, your, your wife or your husband or, your, or anyone else. You're going to be held accountable for yourself. And we all need to have this in, uh, in place in right order in our own life. Secondly, God has given us the ability to learn from our past and from our past experiences. Galatians 3, 4 says, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? But I love what the Message Bible says. It says, Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? Is it not, uh, sorry, it is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. I just love how the Message Bible just tells it as it is. But we, you know, we can learn from our, from our past. Um, I had this thought about this, that 
learning from our past, learning from our experiences is all part of wisdom. And, you know, when we look at older people, um, often we look at older people and think, you know, they, have, they, they carry wisdom. But I think part of that is simply because they've lived longer than a lot of other people and they have, been, they have experienced things in life. They, they have journeyed through uh, more things to deal, you know, and, and uh, learned how to deal with them. And I think that wisdom comes just from doing that. Um, the danger is that as we get older... Um, that we that we actually we don't learn from from the the, the things that we go through, um, and that we we keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and we keep going round and round the same mountain over and over again. That's when the danger is that we actually don't um, take hold of the wisdom that you know. That, and God uses these issues of life; He uses the journey that we're in to teach us wisdom. But if we keep going round and round the same mountain, responding the same way and doing the same thing, then we don't move on. And learning and growing as we move forward, that is wisdom. Thirdly, a fresh start means stepping out in faith. And I know um, Alan has been taking you on a journey. Uh, there's a series he's been preaching on faith uh, just recently. I've been listening to a couple of those uh, on the podcast, which is fantastic. Um, and, and so relevant for now, it's, it's always relevant to talk about faith, but we need to know, we need to understand what faith is. Um, but I don't know if he's covered this aspect of faith, um, and this story is from Matthew about Jesus and the two blind men. And it says in Matthew 28, And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. I want to ask you this morning, what are you believing for, for your life? What are you believing for, for your future? What are you expecting to happen? Jesus' word is clear to us. He says, according to your faith, let it be to you. If you believe that things are going to get worse, then they will. If you believe that it's all too hard and it's all impossible, then it will be. But if you believe that God is calling you to a, a new beginning and a fresh start, that he has, you know, the power, he has, has the power to, to bring about a breakthrough in your life, then he will. And the more we focus on how unfair life is, how hard done by we are, you know, all the times that we've failed, how terrible the past has been, you know, the more, the more we focus on these things, the more the light, that life is going to be sucked out of us. And... Um, you know, and, and as we focus on these areas, we're going to reproduce them. But the more we allow the word of God to renew our minds, the more we have faith for the future, then the more we will experience that newness of life and, and experience the tree of life. We become more and more like the thing that we focus on and, uh, and what we're believing for, which then leads to number four, which is, um, you know, there has to be a refocus both with our heart and with our mind. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And uh, there are other versions, again, um, and that say, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts run your life. One thing that is, uh, is powerful in our lives is the way that and in the way that God has made us, is that we have the ability to choose. And, and I love that little illustration with the ball 
um, there with the temptation because there is a choice what you do when the ball comes towards you. There's a, there's a choice. Um, you, can, you can take hold of it. You can consider it. You can, you know, um, delve into it or you can just let it bounce back. And we all have the choice to, to do that. That's an ability that God's given us. Um, and it's a choice that's not necessarily based on emotions or other people's influence. It's not based on what social media says. Um, you know, we have the ability to guard our heart and our mind and to refocus onto who we are in Christ, who he has called us to be, what the word of God says about us, and not, our, you know, not let our, life, our experiences in life dictate to us who we are or where we're going. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Romans 12 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, you know, who doesn't rely upon Facebook to determine your path, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf is also, also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You know, refocusing from, from old patterns of belief and behavior towards prayer and thanksgiving, being transformed and being renewed by the word of God, meditating on the word, choosing to not listen to ungodly counsel will cause you to be like a, a fruitful tree that flourishes and prospers. Number five, trusting God. In um, Zechariah chapter 4, this is um, around the time where uh, Israel is being called back um, from being uh, in a foreign land and called back to rebuild and, and uh, gather together. And it says this, uh, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he, he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts, grace, grace to it. Again, I love this. This is another one of my favorite scriptures. You know, when you've done all, when you've done all, all that you know to do, sometimes there's only one thing left to be done, and that is to shout grace, grace to the thing that tries to hinder you and, and, and stop you from moving forward. Sometimes all you can do is put your trust in the Spirit of God and His amazing grace and stand before your mountain in defiance and declare grace, grace, grace. I've had to do this for my own life and I've, I've, I've done it with others, praying and standing with others. I've just said to them, let's just declare grace, grace, grace over this whole situation. You know, I think God actually sets us up uh, at times so that we know that we have nothing of ourselves left. In, in our own strength and power, it's impossible. But this word to Zerubbabel is a word for us. It's a declaration of our trust in God, that it's not by might, 
not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit that we're going to you know, find our way through. So the five things that you can do which speak directly against hopelessness and discouragement and set you up for a new beginning are these. Be accountable for your own choices and your own responses in life. Gain wisdom as you learn from past experiences. New beginnings require steps and acts of faith. Refocus your heart and mind, particularly on Christ and his word. And trust in God. Declare grace, grace, grace. And watch him do it. And just as I finish this morning, um, I want to just remind you of one of what I think is one of the most touching stories um, in the, in the Bible about new beginnings. You know, one day, that, uh, one day Jesus was travelling through Samaria, which, um, which is really unusual um, for a Jew. Most Jews wouldn't even travel through Samaria. But Jesus had a divine appointment with a woman. Um, and uh, she was just like the old violin. She was tired. She was dusty. Her life was out of tune. She was unappreciated. She was undervalued. She was even despised by the crowd of people that were around her. She was battered and torn by sin, ashamed. And Jesus knew her before he even met her. He knew that she would be coming to the well in the middle of the day um, and in the heat of the day instead of the cool of the evening because he knew that she would be too ashamed to come when other women would normally come in early morning or late evening. And it was scorching hot, but that was the price that she was willing to pay to not have to face those around her. And when she came, Jesus spoke to her and, and asked her for a drink from the well. This is a woman who has had five husbands, and the man she's now with is, is not even her husband. Um, in her culture and time, she would have carried a lot of shame. She would in, in any culture and time. But she had given up on even trying to be part of her society. She'd lost hope. She hadn't even bothered to get married the fifth time round, or sixth time round. She just decided to withdraw from her people, withdraw from life, and live as an outcast. You know, and I just remember that, you know, on that little video clip, you know, the, the, some of the men there at the end, you know, with the bottles in their hands, and just give up, withdraw, it's all done. But this lady, this woman, she, um, as, each, as each marriage failed, she would have you know, probably with an expectancy that this is um, going to be new, it's all going to be different now. And, you know, after five times, I guess she would have become discouraged and disheartened and more and more broken and more and more isolated. And uh, she was only just existing. Her life actually was, she had just become a shadow in life. And I actually found a scripture in 1 Chronicles 29.15 that describes life without hope as being life that is a shadow. This woman was a shadow who was truly um, a shadow of what she was truly created to be. Shadows aren't living. They are just shadows. And they are like old dusty violins that are kept in, in dark old cases and never played, allowed to just go out of tune and simply fade away. And the conversation with Jesus is one where she gets glimmers of hope, but then she changes the subject because it's, it's too scary to hope. You know, living with hope, without hope is scary, but choosing to hope again is also scary. And Jesus gently confronts her and causes her to face the reality and the truth of her life. 
He is real with her because he really cares about her. And he wants her to be real with him. And again, it's that drawing to that place of deep connection and deep relationship and deep intimacy. In the end, Jesus offers her life-giving water, water that springs up into eternal life, water that means she will never be thirsty again in life. And that encounter with Jesus changes everything. It not only changes her life, it changes the life of her family and it changes the life of her community. A new beginning with Jesus is, is not one that will bring disappointment. It's a fresh start that is genuine and is real. And it's not about anyone else. It's about you. It's, it's not about blaming anyone else. It's about facing ourselves. It's about confessing our sin and mistakes to God. And it's about forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. And please don't go away from here thinking... As I said before, that this is a nice word for someone here. But I'm good. None of us are totally good. God's speaking to each one of us this morning. It's up to us whether we listen. You know, you have at least one area in your life that needs a new beginning, that needs renewed hope. And we have to play our part. But in the end, it's about placing ourselves back on the potter's wheel surrendering to the remolding and the reshaping and it can be painful and it can be messy and not to become it's not to become what we think we should be but it's to let the potter make us according to what he sees be accountable be accountable for your life stop being a perpetual victim stop blaming others and take accountability for your own life Gain wisdom from the past. Learn from what you've been through. Step out in faith. You know, I, I think um, Alan, uh, you know, in his messages has said, it, it takes, you've got to step out. You know, you, it's not all theory. It's actually stepping into and taking, taking a risk. But you're not really taking a risk because you're right in the presence of God. Refocus your heart and your mind. Learn what the word of God says about you. And trust God to do what he needs to do, what he wants to do, to remake you and remould you by his grace. And declare, if you don't know what else to pray, if you don't understand what's going on, if you, you know that you've come to the end of yourself, at least stand before God, stand in his presence and declare grace, grace, grace over your life, over your relationships, over your situation. And trust him, trust him to take you through. Amen? Awesome, wonderful. Paul, do you want to come and um, we'll just close with a song? Um, I would love to pray for you this morning. Um, Venice um, and others may, may want to pray for you as well. But if, you, you know, if you're recognizing that there... Obviously, you know, we, we've all, we all recognize that we've all been the old violin. You know, it's only by God's grace you know, that he's dusted us off and he's tuned us up and he's got us to where we're at and we're, we're here. We're here in his presence, in, 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 you know, in part of his body. Um, but there are aspects of our life, I believe. You know, until we get to glory, until we're, we're on the other side, you know, there are gonna, always going to be things that God is wanting to retune and, and just, you know, remould in our lives. And if you'd like me to pray for you about that, 
and stand with you in faith. I'd love to do that. Um, otherwise, you know, you just stand in the presence of God right now as we worship and allow him to speak to you about that. You know, put yourself back on that potter's wheel. Just let, your, let his hands do that work in your life. Let him become what he, he wants you to be, not what you, you know, think you should be, but allow him to mould you into what he desires for your life. Let's stand as we wish. Thank you.